Phil. Hey, Senda. You want to do another grab bag episode? In in a second, I'm I'm I need to stop packing my gaming what, kit. What are you doing? Can you come back over to the? Oh, okay. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And tonight's topic, well, we are getting ready for Origins, which means that we have to have some episodes kind of ready for you all the week that we're leaving and the week that we get back and the week that we're gone. You know. Uh Uh-huh. And the only (laughs) way we can do that is if we record a few episodes in a short amount of time, get them edited, get them queued up. So this happens a lot when cons come along. And so what we're going to do is um, just that. We're going to record a couple episodes this week, and then you're going to get them edited, and you're going to get them put up in the queue. Yep. So I'm going to be a mad editing fiend all week. Um, But this way, the episodes will keep dropping on time, and we go to the convention, and in this case, that is Origins. So if you're going to be there, please come find us. We want to see you. And... Basically, we're going to try and keep the show tight, so we're going to just do our go-to for a tight show, which is a grab bag. So, here we go. On with the show. Question number one. Time to produce a game. Tim O. asks, how long does it take for us to get a game from idea to reality? Hard question. Super hard question, man. Right. We could do a whole episode on this. Well, and 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 still not even begin because there are so many variables. <laughs> yeah, so here's the thing. There's two parts to creating a game. One is one is quite predictable and one is very much not predictable. Yes. So the first half of any game design is design and development, where you're actually just trying to make the game right and so like you know i i turned out a 200 word rpg in a couple days right Uh uh-huh that was design and development no problem took took me uh took me two years to get the ash can for hydro hackers right uh, (laughs) ready for publication right variables i mean we're expecting Uh, to have turning point put together in November of this year, we're kind of expecting it to hopefully be done, right? Like, Yeah, we should be done with it by November. In terms of and, development, yeah. Yeah, and then ready to take it to Kickstarter uh, so, in and, 2019. Right, and so that'll be a year as right. some random time frames to throw out there. Yeah, so the thing is with design and development that that it's hard to control. So there are certainly people and organizations like, and there are um, Watsi and Paizo and stuff like that, that can put design and development onto a strict timeline. But for most of us, um, for most of us, it's harder to just say like, okay, six months, I'm going to crank this game out with fully tested rules, play tested and all that stuff. And especially if you are, part-time game designer where you have like the rest of your life going on mm-hmm. um design and development can actually take it, it it's it, i mean, just want to say a variable amount of time right like some things come along really quickly like turning point while it's taken us a year hasn't actually been a significant amount of change in the rules of that game yeah that's actually really true it, it, it came it, it sprang forth nearly fully formed and we've just been refining up it. the edges and 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 freshening up the paint 
Right. Hydra Hackers, on the other hand, has had like several like major changes and pivots to the game. Very major iterations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you you won't you just won't know until like you kind of get into your design until you're play testing it to find out what works, what doesn't work, what you know, what parts of the game you need, what parts of the game you don't need. Uh, all those things. So that's the first part. And that's the really tricky part. The second part is actually publishing the game. And this is where it can be far more predictable. And what I mean is that if design and development is to come up with a playable game, the publication part of that is to then take that game, write it into a set of rules, edit said rules, lay it out, and then publish the game. And now I've um, skipped a step that happens in between almost every section, which is proofing. So Mm -hmm. uh, proof the text before it goes to layout, proof the text after it goes to layout, um, and then publish the game. Those steps are far better known, and the people who do them are actually pretty good at giving estimates. So editors know uh, roughly how fast they can edit text by like number of pages or number of words and Uh, proofers can do the same thing layout people know how fast they can lay out pages it becomes a far more predictable and scheduled schedulable schedulable right Mm -hmm. sure yes schedulable schedulable the ability to be scheduled a far more schedulable activity group of activities and i'm you know as the project manager for uh, third eye games like i have a pretty good handle on for third eye games how long it takes them from the time that they get a a draft in to the time it takes them to produce a PDF for sale. And, uh, you know, and that's like about three and a half months, but that's never perfect. There's always things that crop up. And especially if you're working with contractors and you're hiring people and inevitably, if you are not a group of people working on something and you're a solo designer, then you are absolutely hiring like an editor. You're hiring somebody to proof your book. You're either learning to lay it out yourself or hiring a layout person, all of those things. Yep. So, <laughs> so, so the variables. Short, <laughs> yeah. So the, the thing is that Tim, it's kind of hard to, to pin down when a game's coming out. When a game company starts telling you the date a game is coming out, yeah. it means that they're late in they're late in the publication process. Yeah. They've um, definitely already at least written it. Like it's yes. done. And they're like, okay, so now we know that it's gonna take, you know, X amount of time to lay out, X amount of time for the printer to print and ship them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like when Evil Hat tells you like a game's gonna come out at Gen Con um, it means that, you know, sometime in January, they've put it onto a production, like they've put it onto a publication path and are like, you know, working through the steps. Yeah. But if you ask somebody like, you know, oh, when is that new game idea you're going to have be ready? A lot mm-hmm. of designers simply shrug like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, there's the one that comes after Turning Point. We have a couple of things lined up after, after Turning Point. Who knows? Yeah, we do. Now, Now, I mean, the crazy part about Turning Point is, so to to break open Turning Point as a kind of interesting design thing, we had the idea for Turning Point for some time, didn't touch it for a long, long time. We were going to Metatopia a couple <laughs> weeks before Metatopia, and I was like, 
I think I got a few ideas for for turning point for how this would actually work. Yeah. Right. And so feverishly we threw the alpha together. Yeah. Um in the course of just a couple weeks. Yeah, very quickly. It was kind of nuts. Yeah. Um but inspiration will will make things go uh will make things go along uh quite well. So we did. We threw it together and then like you said, coming out of Metatopia, there were no major structural changes to the game. There right. was just a need for like a lot of ref- like subtle refinements. Right. We just needed to sand off the coarse edges. Hmm. So smooth it out. Yep, absolutely. So yeah. So Tim, great question. So yeah, mm-hmm. don't um be kind when you ask game designers when a game's gonna come out. Um <laughs> or if you are gonna ask, ask them if they're done with, with design and development. Because at that point you could then start asking them when yeah, they think their when game will be ready. It's gonna come out. Yep. Yep, yep. Well, our next question came from Chris Nizak, who totally softballed us a definition because he knows how much you love to define things. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so how would we define sandbox? Sure. Sandbox is a uh, form of campaign where a box is created. So something with boundaries um, is created often by geography or plot where the characters are free to move around that boxed space, uncovering encounters as they move around. There's no prescribed story or plot, only what you find as you move around. Yeah. So the most common form of a sandbox is geographical sandboxes, which um, also frequently referred to as hex crawl, because if you just have like all the hexes out and you're just going to go and explore... Sandbox. Yeah, absolutely. The sandbox really kind of arose from the idea of wilderness adventures. So kind of the um, expert level of D&D. So the basic set of D&D was all about dungeons and the expert set moved out of dungeons and into the wilderness. And so this idea that, okay, here is an area of a map and so as Ken Height once said, you, you know, so first you put out your map that's your sandbox. Then you go and bury plastic dinosaurs in various parts of the uh, of the sandbox, uh, and then you invite the kids <laughs> to play. And then they uncover the sand and find and find the dinosaurs in the sand. And huzzah! Like, and they're all excited. Um, right. And that's and that's pretty much a hex crawl, right? A hex crawl is, is exactly a hex crawl. Right. The GM has a map that has a listing of what's in what hexes. And as you um, enter hexes, you find these things and the players deal with them. There's a pretty famous Pathfinder adventure path. The I think it's the Kingsmaker, I think. Don't quote me on that, but I've played it at one time. That was a big hex crawl where you um, you were helping to forge like a new territory. And so you wandered around and found all this stuff like and the thing about a hex crawl is that where you go determines what you find yeah so it can be like it's not exactly disjointed but it's often just little bursts of plot yeah have you hex crawled before um it's really interesting i'm I'm sort of actually thinking about that i'm not sure that i truly have although i have accidentally run a hex crawl badly. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Yeah. Um, uh, it was during the days of my, ugh, I'm a terrible GM. Why do people enjoy doing this? 
Um, you know, so it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't really work for me as something that I like to run. Anyway, so I don't, I don't have a lot of hex crawl experience. No, I have some, I have some, not a ton. I've, um, like I said, I I played that, uh, Pathfinder, the Pathfinder one, the Kingsmaker, and it was, it was okay. Like, I don't know if it's necessarily my cup of tea. It's a lot of exploration. Like, what's in this hex? Okay, let's go south one more hex. What's in this hex? That kind of thing. Oh, oh, we found a temple in this hex. Oh, let's go investigate kind of thing. Um, It was okay. I I did not dislike it. I was not... I was not totally blown away by it. I I think that I'm much more of a a story plot kind of guy. But, but... But there are other things besides hex crawls that are that can be considered sandboxes. Um, so that's the hex crawl, and and the hex crawl is not the only kind of sandbox, right? Yeah, no. You could also have like a political sandbox, where yeah. you know just scatter. Just I mean, you scatter nobles about, right? And I, I'm like, you know, when everybody has their own thing that they're going for then mm-hmm. the characters can just interact with whoever they want and everybody's got a purpose and a thing. They will discover whatever they find and they might ally with different people depending on who they talk to, you know, and what they say and what they believe and all of that kind of stuff. So that becomes sort of a sandbox because they can still just make whatever decision, right? Exactly. Tales from the Loop has a like a mystery sandbox, which is just like a group of... Uh, it's a collection of people and places and when you interact with them, they reveal their own like little mini mysteries. Yeah, cool. So it's like different, like it's different from like a big mystery, which, you know, has like a start, middle, end, you know, climax, denouement, and all that. These are more like this person's doing like a really weird thing. And like, so if you start interacting with them, like here's some weird things that start happening within the game. Like, you know, as they yeah. like basically like countdown clocks. Like once you've kind of like triggered one of these guys, like here's some weird shit that's going to happen. So sandbox is like really the main difference between a sandbox and uh, like a linear story or even an improv story is that there's no prescribed story or plot, right? Like you have to move around within the space to make anything happen. Where like with a linear story, I'm going to open it up with, you know, an opening and then we're going to go through... Um, it could be it could be completely linear. It could be branching where we have a couple choice points and like, you know, we're going to move through some rising action and those kinds of things. It's kind of, I think, the reason why I, I stall out a little on sandbox because I, I do like story. Um, yeah. And sandboxes don't really tell a story. Sandboxes are exploration based. Like yeah. uncover, find a thing, deal with that thing, move on to the next thing. Oh, that hex is empty. I mean, there are some times where we played the Pathfinder game where like three or four hexes were empty in a row. Right. Right. And it was like boring. Yeah. It's like, okay, move to the next hex. Uh, you scout that hex. Hex is empty. Okay. Move to the next hex. Go, scout like, that hex. Did, hex is empty. Like, oh, right. Ugh, like, no, nah, I mean, why you bother is because, you know, you're forging a path and blaze, like you're blazing a trail into this, into this uncharted territory. But. It's not always exciting. From a story perspective, it's like, eh. Yeah, but from a realism perspective, not every hex can have like a full-on encounter. Like you, yeah, you well, actually. Okay, okay. Oh, that that's really, really a thing. You remember? Um, I think it was a couple episodes ago we talked about realism mm-hmm. versus genre. Yeah. Right there, it's that. 
Yeah, I mean, there are times where, like, it's, it's also it's, a, too it's much also realism beat, for me. <laughs> it's also a beat structure, right? You like you can't have every hex have an encounter because then it's oh, too it's many upbeats, yeah. right? But there is like depending on how you generate your hex, your sandbox. If you're generating at random and you get too much of a, you know, like too many downbeats in one area, like that's also a problem. Yep. Downbeats, I mean, like empty hexes. Empty hexes, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool, yeah, cool, cool stuff. Cool, cool. Thanks, Good. Chris. That was one that he sent when we uh, when I broke my arm. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. So total softball question. Yep. Hey, before we finish out this episode, our third question, actually, there were two of them because I found questions that I kept avoiding because I could we couldn't both answer them. Oh yeah. So we're gonna each answer one. Right. So I will right. ask you. Okay. I will ask you Andrew Dacey's question. Andrew Dacey on G Plus asked, Hey Senda. How about a Magical Girl 101? Which animes to get started on? Right. I'm going to preface this because even though I just wrote a Magical Girls uh, hack, I am actually in no way, shape, or form a Magical Girls expert. And so there are many, many shows, especially like anything that's come out in like the last 10 years, I pretty much haven't really seen. Because so. you're old school. Yeah, apparently it's old school now. So so I have some like classics. Um and and honestly, the key one, if you just need to get a sense of like what is the tradition of magical girl genre and what are the key tropes, then the one to to basically turn to is Sailor Moon because it, it's kind of it, it it's the there's some there's some magical girl stuff that people point to that happened beforehand, but in terms of popularizing the genre, the one that everybody knows the name of, etc., 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 if someone sits down at your table and you're running this game or whatever, the tropes that they are going to 100% most likely know are the things that come with Sailor Moon, right? And having said that, you can go back to the original Sailor Moon series, but it's like real long, so um, it it requires a certain amount of dedication to get through, to anything important and there's honestly some episodes like they just put in a lot of dead space so if you just want to get a feel for the idea of it um uh, i would actually recommend watching sailor moon crystal which is the brand new remake of sailor moon that they're releasing which follows the comics much more closely and everything happens in very quickly in comparison <laughs> So it's great. There's lots of people, you know, turning evil, you travel to the future, missing princesses, etc, etc, etc. So that'll give you a quick idea of like some of the genre stuff. If you if you even just jump in on that for, you know, a couple of episodes, I think you get a pretty good idea. One of my favorites for a non group magical girls series is Saint Tail. I am a fan of Saint Tail. She's this I don't know how big that series ever got, so it could just, like, be me. But she's basically, like, the daughter of this super famous thief, art thief, and she steals ill-gotten art and valuable stuff from rich people who shouldn't have it um, and returns it to the people that it actually belongs to. And it's pretty cute. Like, she's basically this little girl, and, of course, there's a little boy who works for his dad works for the museums or security or something. I don't quite remember all the details. And so he's always trying to stop her. And they're like nemesises, but they're also kind of in love. Oh, it's great. 43 um, episodes. And St. Tail? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's 
Right. And then, uh, I mean, another classic would also be like Cardcaptor Sakura, right? Which is much more the, um, along the style and came out around the, more of the same time as like Pokemon with has more of the gotta catch them all aspects, but as magical girl, it still has all the magical girl tropes, right? So those are classics that I would just throw out there to recommend with my rather limited knowledge of more recent animes. <laughs> Many other people can recommend you so many other things. That is where I am. Yeah. So let me ask Phil a question. Go ahead. Um, Phil, Jade Prophet asked, I know DNA Phil is going to say Underground and the Whispering Vault to start, but what old games or settings should see a comeback? Me and my buddy are longing for a return of Dark Sun. All right. So first, let's just address (laughs) Underground and Whispering Vault. Right. (laughs) So yes to both of these games. Right. Um, Underground, I think more than ever in our current political uh, climate, Underground um, would be a a brilliant dark satire uh, as it was back when it was written in the 90s. It's a, um, for those not in the know, Underground is the game about a future where genetically enhanced super soldiers, like as in having actual superpowers, are created to go fight wars around the globe. And then they come home from the wars to an America that is uh, frighteningly, Frightening frighteningly, me- frighteningly messed up. And they're uh, actually not welcomed back. Like there's a lot of metaphor about like the Vietnam War and stuff built into this game. And so boosts, as they're called, boosted soldiers um, come home and they wind up living in these really terrible neighborhoods and they you're trying to do good but you're pretty much just genetically programmed for like murder so and on top of that you have the challenge of that your genetic modifications have made you mentally unstable which is also problematic it is a fantastic game i can't actually say enough about this game i love it to death i still think it's one of the most underrated games of the 90s uh whispering vault is another fantastic game. It is kind of a, I'm going to say horror superhero, because some people will say horror, but I will tell you that there's more of a superhero element to this game. It is a superhero horror game uh, where you play these immortal creatures that are summoned to come back to Earth to help people when other immortals have snuck onto Earth and are like being horrible monsters and things like that. It's super hard to explain this game in any details, but you can certainly look it up on Wikipedia. Um, the game mechanics for this game were pretty good, not super clunky, um, not super great. The setting for this game is amazing. It is, um, it's, it's a pleasure to read, and uh, if you can snag a PDF of it, um, it is also uh, pretty, the art's pretty cool, like really cool black and white artwork. But... If I had to pick a different game, since the Jade Prophet wanted a a, a different answer, uh, I'm going to pick one. I'm just going to warn people from the 80s to please, if you're driving, hold on to your hold on to the wheels of your car. <laughs> if you're at work, cover your mouth. The game that I would remake um, with modern technology would be Cyborg Commando. Okay, Cyborg Shrug. Commando is a 1987 <laughs> game. Um, Written by Gary Gygax, Frank Metzner, and uh, Kim Mohan. It is the premise of it is that the Earth is invaded by these uh, bug like monsters. 
and that humanity is like almost wiped out and that the only way to fight it is to build these cyborg robot bodies that can fight back against these like you know these incredibly hard to kill bugs the catch is that in order to operate the bodies uh they need to put human brains in them and so uh the characters are the characters sign up to to join the fighting force and what they do is they uh, take the brain out of your body. They put it in this like armored case and stick it into the into the robot body to power the robot body. So there's like a whole bunch of like really early transhumanist um, yeah. kinds of like elements to it, right? Like, what does it mean to like give up your body and like the alienness of like having this cyborg body that like is not biological by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and then at the same time, it's like a disaster movie because you're fighting like these bugs that are like turned, you know, the world into this like post-apocalyptic horror. And then it's also like sci-fi military sci-fi. The setting for this game is pretty compelling. The mechanics for this game are probably some of the worst <laughs> mechanics that have ever been written for a game. Wow. It's br- it's brutal. I don't even know if I don't even think when I bought the game in the 80s I ever got it successfully to um to the table. In fact, as I'm looking at the Wikipedia thing, it is the game is today considered one of the biggest flops in the industry. <laughs> like it is it was just a disaster of of a game. And and it's a shame because when I was a kid and this came out, it there were also a couple of like sci-fi novels that came out with it. So I read I read the novels and the novels are like they're not great but they were like decent enough sci-fi. And again like that beginning transhumanist idea, right? Like I'm going to we're going to we're going to you know cryo your body and we're going to pull your brain case out and shove you into this, you know, into the cyborg. I would totally do this game up in like Savage or Fate. I mean probably Fate cuz that's kind of my go-to, but Mm-hmm. I would totally do this. Like, it would be a blast to actually play out some military sci-fi and a little bit of transhumanist, right? Because you'd have to have some aspects about, like, your past and your brain, like, you know, like, memories and things like that. But then you would also have some aspects about your commando body. And if your commando body gets destroyed, like, they can retrieve your brain case. Like, that was, like, a thing that could happen. Like, they could open it up and, like, get the armored case with your brain out. And, and put then, it in another one. And slot you into another body. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. So um, I like that one. Again, it is a horrifically bad um, role-playing game. I think I own it somewhere. Um, I could show you the rules. You would literally cry. You would <laughs> no. cry. No. <laughs> you would cry if you saw these rules. Like, there was literally in the first 10 pages, there was a statistical bell curve trying to demonstrate why... Their die rolling system, which was a uh, D10 times D10, what? was better than other types of uh, of rolls. But you did have to do like a bunch of math. There was a lot of math, <laughs> Link. And when we talk about a lot of math, <laughs> it is time to hit the end of the show. Uh huh. Nice, Senda. <laughs> Tell me about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network uh, that likes to talk about mechanics that aren't chunky and uh, multiplying dice. Yeah, that also likes to go long. 
<laughs> so the misdirected Mark podcast is Chris, Phil, and Bob who go live every Tuesday evening at 8.45 Eastern to break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you, their listeners. Also, it's at 6.45 this Queen's time. I'm just going to say. I've heard. I've yes. heard. Yes. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Say, Senda, where can people reach us on the internet? You can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pandas talk games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark Google Plus community, or you can drop us an email panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? Please send us your topics. We love to talk about the things that interest you when we record this show. Uh, we can do it for ourselves, but it's far less interesting because we talk about game stuff all the time. Constantly. So it's, yeah, it's <laughs> way better if you give us something to talk about. Otherwise, we just fall back into old habits. So yeah, please send along your suggestions, questions, um, things about campaigns and one-shots. We love them all. Say, Senda, what else can people do with our social media information? Well, the next time you are sitting down with an awesome table with those awesome peeps or at that convention you're headed to because, oh my, convention season hath begun. Take a selfie of you playing that game with those awesome people. Drop it on the social media of your choice. Hashtag it table selfie. And we will swing by and like it as long as we can find it because, you know, depending on where you posted it, blah, blah, blah. But we like to do it, right? We do indeed. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please check out our Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons of the show get all sorts of good things. Uh, access to the bonus outtakes from this show, the after show from Misdirected Mark, our Slack Room for Life, as well as other goodies, uh, song parodies, uh, crossword puzzles, bingo boards, and sometimes early access to game material. That we love to uh, shower upon our patrons. Uh, something else we like to do is to give a shout out to our patrons. And uh, I'll do it for the sake of brevity and time tonight. Shout outs to Sean Gilgore, Knight of All Edges. Thanks, Sean. Noah Bon. Thanks, Noah. And Joshua Black. Thank you, Joshua. If you all are all already supporting the Patreon or unable to support the Patreon, which is perfectly fine, there is something else you can do that is like hugging, hugging a panda. You can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every review that we get really does actually help new people find the show, and it makes us pandas blush on our faces. So we really, really do appreciate everyone who's left a review so far. Thank you guys so much. I might have killed Phil, but we're just going to push through to the end. Thank you so much for leaving reviews to everyone who already has. They really do make us very, very happy. So, Phil, show me how you're going to create a sandbox for your fate version of Cyborg Commando. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to have an area where the xenomorphs have come in. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Bloop. Clicky. All right.
Why did you look skeptical when I told you that I had a waveform song? There's like two forms of waveform songs. There's like, I I worked on this on the car ride all the way home waveform song. And then there's like, wait, I think I figured out how to jam the word waveform and panda (laughs) into the chorus of some song I heard once or twice today. (laughs) And I know for a fact you didn't drive anywhere. so. (laughs) So that's why you're skeptical. I'm a little skeptical at this point. I got one. I got it, though. Bloop. All right. Listen up mm-hmm. so that people know in podcast land, this is, um, we're, we're not messing around. We are business tonight. Professionals. We are professionals. And if that means there's slightly less outtakes, we apologize, our friends, uh, but we'll talk about it. While, we'll talk about why when we get into the show. Um, but we are TikTok on a schedule tonight. Bloop. What? Do you remember that song? TikTok. TikTok on a schedule um, tonight? No, 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 no. I mean, it could be like okay. No, it's uh, what is? I'm TikTok gonna sex you up by on color a me schedule tonight. <laughs> oh, no, I'm gonna color me bad. Color me bad. I'm gonna sex you up. Wow. It starts off with like TikTok. Dick, I forget how it goes. It's a bad song. Did, Do you sorry, not know did it? You, did you just it's TikTok early. Dick Doc? <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> I, like, I could. This, I mean, that song could have had that. Do you no. not? I mean, that song was like the '90s. Like, do you not remember that song? No. See, um, I don't. I, I, this is that weird gap where it's like, well, you're technically. Oh, let's see. If cult. it was '90, grew up in a cult. Nah, you know what? You'd still have been too young. It'd have been the kind of thing you'd have all like. Your it, it's the kind of thing that your parents would have made you not listen to. Like, yeah, at that age and with that kind of lyrics, yes. Bloop. It's color me bad with two D's because because. <laughs> Bad. Because bad. Yeah, yeah. Bad. 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 Let's see. <laughs> it was an R and contemporary R and B group that was formed in Oklahoma City. Already, you gotta like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oklahoma City, not exactly known for their uh, uh, what you gonna call it? Not exactly known for their R and B. Yep. Um, uh, what you? But um. Uh, yeah, I want to sex you up was uh, their best single, and they were on Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero. They were um, they they had a cameo appearing as themselves. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well this done is, there. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Bloop. That song is featured on the soundtrack for New Jack City. Oh, see, I mean New Jack City. That's good. I want to sex you up. That's bad to do. <laughs> New Jack City? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Shrug. Take a second. Okay. Take it. Shrug, really? I, I, I have uh, honestly I mean, I never... guess. No, you know what? It's fair. It's fair. I'm looking. New Jack City is a movie from 1991, uh-huh. which uh, at that point you would have been nine. Uh-huh. Right? Um, so definitely would not have seen it. And it was um, all about the um, uh, crack cocaine epidemic. Uh, in New York City, uh, yeah. in the early nineties, I was definitely so not definitely. I was, I was, um, I was. Seeing oh, 80, 86. 86. It took place in. Well, I'm sorry. The movie takes place in. It starts like in 1986 and then goes forward. But. Oh, okay, I was like, wasn't that right around the? It was probably like only a couple of years after I was saw my first movie ever in the movie theater, Pippi Longstockings. Yeah, this is definitely not Pippi Longstockings. <laughs> like. Like, New Jack City is definitely not that. And developed um, a healthy fear of volcanoes, you know. 
Well, that you would have developed a healthy fear of rock cocaine had you watched New Jack City. Yeah, no. Um, nope. Bloop. No, it's a badass movie. The um, the reason I say the soundtrack, because it's terrible that Color Me Bad did a... Is, um, <laughs> is on that soundtrack... <laughs> Because um, Ice T's actual song, New Jack, New Jack, uh, Ice T's uh, song on New Jack City, which I think now that I'm going to look because I hate doing this, New Jack Hustler, right? That's Ice T's song, New Jack Hustler. That song is totally badass. Bloop. Yeah, it's why it's why on the soundtrack it is track number one, uh-huh. and and uh, I want to sex you up is track number eight. Yeah, on that. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what I'm learning is that I'm so old uh-huh. that even when I think of things <laughs> being associated with the 90s yes. and like, oh, you should have totally known that. Right. I then have to remember yes. that in the early 90s, you are still a, a tween. Child. Child yeah. or tween. Yes. yes. And so, uh, no. Was I watching movies about drug wars? No, I was not. <laughs> Correct. I, on the other hand... So if you were nine in 1991, I was 19 in 1991, yes. was totally watching you movies about drug lords and yes. Yeah. Because so. apparently I'm old. Yes. Yes. All right. So, old. so back to is the TikTok be, thing. Is that going to be on the bingo board? <laughs> Why? You want to? No, but no, it can't be. It can't be on the bingo board because Bob... Because Bob is there, and Bob is older than I am. I know. I think it just needs to be on the bingo. Kevin, Kevin, you got to put something on the bingo board about everybody being old, except for me. <laughs> except for you. <laughs> the baby of the network. Right. I am the baby of the network, and therefore all ages shall be judged based on my age. <laughs> Bloop. Okay. 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 Hey, yeah. remember where we said we were going to like be really tight I know, remember, and keep this I- thing? I've got a song, though. All right. It's not I Want to Sex You Up by Color Me Bad Today. No, it is okay. not because I do not actually know how that song goes. I'm totally going to it play that song for you later. really, really funny if at this point I actually did know the whole time and I pulled that out. I wish that I could, but I can't. <laughs> do you want me to do the thing so you can sing yes, the song? Yes, you should do the thing. All right. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Waveform Theater. Is that right? The, hmm. the I haven't done it in a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Wow. Okay. Shh, shh, shh. We're never going to get this thing started. Ladies and gentlemen, the 2018 Waveform Theater Series something or other presents Miss Senda. Oh, no, I'm giggling because you goofed it all up, though. <laughs> Professionals. <sighs> the waveforms are endless, and summer sings on. And Gold Moon, the priestess, loves a poor man's son. Her father, the chieftain, makes long roads between them. The waveforms are endless, and summer sings on. I like it. I Very the nice. The Gold Moon song from right. Dragonlance. Because we were talking I feel about like, it last week and then it was I feel like you could have I feel like you could have just if you could have worked the panda in as I know like it, you know, Gold Moon been, and the Panda. No, you know like what it should have been, been panda. The, panda the princess, right? Panda the panda princess. Panda the princess loves a poor man's son. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, anyway, that was good. Or, I mean, it was or, beautiful. or her father the panda makes long. Yes. 
Yeah. 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 Golden Moon's father was a panda. Very, not very well known. <laughs> Little known Dragonlance facts. Little Gold known Moon was fan. the daughter of a panda and a person. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the, the famous the famous wandering um, pandas of the plains. Bloop. They actually um, are like the only the only other creatures that survived the maelstrom. Like they. Right. Yes, the pandas because they just yeah. rolled over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're adorable. Maelstroms can't destroy pandas. They're they're, they're too adorable. cute. No, the only and thing- and dragons love them. Dragons collect them. Right. The only the only thing that dragons collect pandas, but the only thing that can destroy pandas is. Apparently, their lack of drive to actually have sex with each other. Bloop. Yeah, it makes me question this mascot. <laughs> Bloop. There's nothing I can say right now. There's literally, there's nothing, nothing that I can say right now. Bloop. Are you sure that's the representative Ma- mascot? Many things came to my mind, and it was there was nothing that I could say. I don't know. It seems off. It's fine. Something about that doesn't seem right. They've been breeding them. They're not endangered anymore. All right. Let's get this thing started. Okay. God. Bloop. Have fun with that. Meow. Meow. Bloop. Boom. Boom. Senda, we don't have a lot of time, so just put the music right here. Okay. I almost sang another verse, but I won't. Bloop. Do you have any ideas? Oh, sorry. You were passing me the. I was there. poorly. I was passing I, you the poorly. Was... Let me see if I can. Let me see if I can try it again. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Um. So. Well, I didn't want to just be me talking the whole section. So okay, let me try again. Bloop. Hex by hex, clearing out bugs and stuff like that. <laughs> Show me what you got. Show, Show me, me what, what you got. got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. I got forty five fifty five. I know. I feel like we did pretty well, but I had to cut you off in the cyborg commando. It was good. I was starting to get a little excited. I know. I was just like, nope. Like, if you keep going, I'm just going to have to cut this whole chunk. And I think yeah, it's better no, no, to cut it good. short and be able to include it. Yeah. Good stuff. We should punch out right now, though. Yeah, we totally should. Okay. Say goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>